1: And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And you know, thank you again for joining us here on AI Today. This is our fifth year and 250 plus episodes strong. So if someone has forwarded you this link to this podcast and said, you must listen to AI Today, um, know that, that we've been going strong, talking a lot about Really, what team leaders like yourselves and folks who are trying to put AI, automation, data projects into practice are facing on a daily basis. You are our core audience, you people who are trying to make this work. And you know, it's been fantastic because we've been hearing from so many of you. Uh, who have either been listening to this podcast or even just today, we talked to someone Someone forwarded them this podcast, and then they started really listening to it. And I guess they got into one of our series maybe halfway through. And uh, you may not know, we have a lot of, of, of focus of what we do here at AI Today is really trying to help really educate and inform and give our audience the power of knowledge of how to do things right. That's really what we really focus on is doing things right. And Today's podcast actually continues on a series that we've been doing here, the Automation to Intelligence Roadmap. We're, I think, four or five episodes into this particular series. But for those of you who may be new to the AI Today podcast, we have many other series. If you want to hear about AI failures, AI use cases, if you want to hear interviews with practitioners from industries and companies and organizations from around the world, you should take a look and listen to all of our podcasts and maybe have a binge day. <laughs> um, but before I could sort of hand it back over to my, my colleague Kathleen here, I do have a little call to action for you guys. And that is that I really do, if you are a team leader and you're enjoying this, we really want you to reach out to us. Uh, we need to hear from you in part because we are in the midst of crafting workshops and various different opportunities to bring together the knowledge that we have with the teams who are trying to put this together. We've heard from so many of you who are trying to put these things into practice and we are building workshops just for you, for these teams. And in order to do this right, you know, we could certainly, we have a lot of uh, reason to guess as to what we think people are interested in, but, but it's much more helpful to hear from you and say, hey, I'm a team leader and I'm really struggling with this particular need around education or workshops or team level setting. Um, and so we want to hear from you what your number one, what's your number one biggest challenge as it relates to upskilling and reskilling your team, we would like to hear from you. So that's a call to action. Reach out to us. The email is info, I-N-F-O at Cognolitica, dot com. But uh, let's continue on this education, tell you a little bit about what we have in plan for you uh, today.
0: Exactly. So, as Ron mentioned, please do reach out to us, info at We also have upcoming webinars that we encourage you to attend. So, AI today.live slash automation. That will be your opportunity to really have a back and forth conversation with us where you can ask all of your questions and we'll be answering them live. So we love we love webinars, especially because then we get to see what topics really resonate with our listeners and our attendees. So again, that's ai.today.live slash automation. And as Ron mentioned, today we are continuing our Automation to Intelligence Roadmap series. And we will be talking about how to advance to level one automation. But in previous podcasts, we've discussed why automate at all, what should you automate, what is a business process, what to automate, as I said, and then also level zero automation. So we talked about, you know, what does it mean to have no intelligence and just straight quote unquote dumb automation? What does that mean? What are the benefits of it? And then some of the challenges. Today, we're going to be focusing on level one automation. So we're bringing we're bringing just a little bit of intelligence in, and so we're moving from that, you know, what we say, "quote unquote," dumb and intel- dumb to more intelligent automation. What does that mean? So, at you know, at at a very uh, basic level, that level one is really bringing just a little bit of intelligence, which means that we want to add intelligence to automation because it enables degrees of variability and unpredictability. At that level zero automation, that is great for a task that is repetitive and done the exact same way every single time. So if you think you're taking uh, information from one cell and moving it to another cell, that information is always there. It never changes, never variable. That's a great use case for that level zero automation. If you need to bring a little bit of intelligence into that because the field may change uh, so that it's not in the exact same location every single time where if you were to do that screen recorder uh, automation and the field moved, then you'd break your automation. You would have to have a human go in the loop, and then it's no better than just having the human do it themselves. So this is where we need to bring a little bit of intelligence into our automation.
1: Yeah, and I think one way that we like to think about it is because every level of automation is best suited for its particular job. So, you know, at this at the most basic level of automation, that level zero, you know, what we're really doing is we're saying all these tasks where humans are really just being ro- like the humans are being robotic, like the humans are acting like machines. Like I spend two hours of my day. Uh, going into email, extracting the PDFs, making the PDFs, move them into specific folders. Like there's no real, like even the human is not using any of their natural born intelligence, which is why humans get so bored. You know, we make mistakes <laughs> because our mind drifts, because it's we're not using our cognitive power. You know, our brains are thinking, really, this is what I'm, I'm here for. So um, at level zero, we'd say, let's just take all those you know, robotic tasks that humans are doing, you know, robotic is a descriptive term and give them to machines. But there are some, this is where machines start failing when the human does need to do a little bit of that cognition. This is in particular where it's like, well, maybe I need to open up the PDF and look at the PDF. Is this an invoice? Is this a contract? Is this some other document? Is this some junk, right? And then I say, okay, I've looked at this PDF. It looks like an invoice. I will move that invoice to a specific folder, or I will extract from that invoice, the invoice date, the invoice from the PO number, blah, 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 right? Now, once the human used a little bit of their intelligence to figure out it's an invoice, the rest of it is really pretty mechanical, to, you know, cutting and pasting. This is where humans, again, can make mistakes, skip steps, do things in the wrong order, where it's like, okay, now it does help to have a machine here. So giving the machine some of that cognitive ability, which is about the ability to look at the text and the images and the video, maybe read conversations, you know, take a look at chats and, and messages and all sorts of stuff. That's what we call the variable data that, that humans are really good at. And we'll explain sort of the, what, what we mean by that variable data. But also it's like there's some unpredictability, which is like, the invoices may not look all the same, or they may not have things. Like if you have a conversation where you're looking at some chat history, the words don't happen the same sequence or order. Maybe maybe things happen at a random time. Or so it's like, you know, it's not like every day, you know, you get this invoice from the same customer with the same amount, you know, these things happen at different times. But, and also, you know, we know we need a little bit of intelligence when you need to make a decision. Like, okay, if invoice, put in invoice folder, if contract, put in contract folder, right? and. And, you know, it's not a lot of judgment. It's not like this is like some, you know, moral dilemma we have here. It's just it's just like you got to use make some judgment, you know, probabilistic judgment. And the reason why we call it probabilistic, this term will come up a lot in this podcast, is because it's not always happening the exact same way all the time. That's called a deterministic system. With these sort of intelligence system, it's sort of like, yeah, this looks like an invoice, you know, you know 99% chance this is an invoice, right? Could be wrong. It could say invoice on top, but it's actually a contract. Somebody, <laughs> I don't know, somebody put like an invoice <laughs> header on a contract. I don't know why they do that, but you know, that would really fool people. That would at least give a person like a moment of thought. They're like, wait, this is invoice, not an invoice. They're just fooling me. So uh, sort of like the end of, bit of that is like, it's really very difficult to program or record something that requires that kind of intelligence. That is how we know we need to do something different than just straight up uh, automation. We have to introduce some kind of cognitive technology because that's gonna help us when just straight up screen recording or some scripting language, we can't do that with a scripting language or recording system.
0: Exactly. And that really comes down to unstructured data which is the majority of the data that your organization has. And this is the focus of level one automation. So unstructured data is anything that isn't in a database, has well-defined schema. So if you think about emails or text documents, PDFs, videos, images, all of those are examples of unstructured data. And then if you think, okay, how much, you know, what's the data that I have at my organization, probably 80 plus percent of it is going to be unstructured data. Now, when you think about it that way, you go. Of course, this makes sense. This is why I need to start bringing some intelligence into my automation, because dealing with structured data is easy, right? If I have a data in a, if I have a data in a database, and it has first name, last name, address, and I go, I need to query first names. Well, I can just query first names. But what if I have an email, and I need to pull first names from that email? Well you know, that's, I mean, emails can be written in a, in a number of different ways, right? That's unstructured data. I don't have a nice column that says first names and I can just go and pull that. So you're going to need to have some intelligence in your automation to be able to pull that first name data from your unstructured email. And that's why Uh, You know, it's, it's really important that we understand, okay, what is unstructured data? And if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, you know, we talk about this a lot. And then how can I help, how can I bring in a little intelligence to help me on my automation process?
1: Yeah, so most of the problems that we have with sort of uh, you know basic automation, I don't, I don't like calling it dumb automation, but unfortunately there's no alternative to word intelligent. If it's not intelligent, the only English word that we have for it is dumb. I, it's really bad because dumb is kind of a pejorative. It implies bad, right? But actually, in this case, dumb isn't bad. You know, we as we said in our previous podcast, sometimes you want automations that happen in a very reliable, repetitive way. That's how like industrial robots work, right? But many of the problems that we have with with that basic automation are when it comes up with instructor data. So it's like when you're moving things around and you're like, wow, it moved the wrong file to the wrong place, wow, it took a, a number and put it in a name field or put a name and put in a number field or, wow, I, you know, it did the wrong activity because it got confused. Well, the reason why it got confused is because it's just, a, you know, silly robot. You know, you see these cartoons where it's like, you know, there's like someone puts a cat on a, on a, at a conveyor belt. And then the, you know, robot arm picks up the cat and throws it in the, uh you know, <laughs> the trash bin or whatever it is like, well, yeah, of course, robot doesn't know it's a cat, right? Because it doesn't have level one automation, which would have been a camera with a computer image <laughs> thing. And it could say there's a cat on the conveyor belt it's not the product. So that's what we're talking about here. So if we want to solve these problems where we want automations to not fail because we're dealing with text documents, images, video, conversations, messages, email, we need to introduce uh, these um, smarter forms of automation. Now, the thing is is like as as I just provided already some of these examples like you know how can we automate so we want the machine to automate it we're trying to make the systems all the ROI of automation efficiency speed reliability uh, improvements of compliance. We want all those ROI. That's what automation gives us. We don't want all that to stop just because there's some piece of unstructured data. So if we have you know level zero automation and we put numbers and name fields, the machine, the 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 factory line stops it goes like oh wrong wrong piece of data. Intelligent automation would know that a name is a name and a number is a number. And maybe maybe if it doesn't know what to do, then maybe it puts it in some pile. But it keeps the automation going. It doesn't stop the automation, right? Uh, you know, dumb automation would say, move all the email messages from one inbox to a given destination, because that's the rule. It says take invoices from here and put them there. Intelligent automation can look at the emails, do some classification, sorting of those documents, summarize them, even if if it, it can't figure it out based on probability, and then move them into a category. So Really, all about all that level one automation is is we're introducing this ability to be aware of the context, like you know whether it's image or video or con or the language, the text, that's what we're introducing here. So to do that, we need to understand, I think two concepts that will help us here. What is natural language processing, which is for the text and documents, and what is computer vision, and that's for the images and and the video.
0: So natural language processing is natural language processing are also called NLP. It's the idea where it's giving computers the ability to understand human language, right? Computers don't speak in human language, so it's giving computers the ability to speak like humans. And this can be with text or with spoken words. It's also those interactions between computers and human language. And we categorize this into the conversational pattern of AI within our seven patterns of AI. And if you haven't heard that podcast, I encourage you to go back and check it out. We have one on all of the seven patterns, and then we have additional podcasts that dig deeper into each pattern. So you can listen to the conversational pattern of AI podcast if you'd like to learn more. But just at a very basic level, that natural language processing helps computers you know, speak and deal and understand with humans in the languages that humans speak. So when you wanna apply natural language processing at this level one automation, where we're bringing a little bit of intelligence into our automation, we say, okay, well, what are some examples? Well, this can be categorizing or classifying documents. You know, We've brought up, okay, uh, is this an invoice or is this a purchase order Or is this, uh, you know, a PTO request form? Maybe, you know, three different forms and you just need to go in and classify and have, if it's this one, send it to this email address. If it's this one, you know, send it here. And if it's this one, send it here. That's a great uh, application for level one uh, automation for NLP. Also, if you want to validate data entry. So, I mean, you know, you really wanna make sure that things are done correctly, right? You wanna make sure that the right thing is put into the right place and you don't want to accidentally have a whole bunch of numbers go into a name field because that's going to mess everything up. A human's gonna to have to go in, redo everything. So you just wanna validate that it's correct. And so if it, you know, something did get shifted and now numbers are in a name field, then hopefully this process will be able to say, okay, this is incorrect and I need to go to this field or whatever it is. Rather than just having that straight automation go and literally, whatever in that field dumps it into the wherever it is that you're adding that entry. Also, it you you want to be able to handle some variability, as we talked about with your data. So you know, purchase orders. Are maybe 90%, they all look the same, but there's a little bit of differences between purchase orders at different companies. So, because of that variability, you need to have a little bit of intelligence where if you want to find a purchase order, you know, maybe uh, eight times out of 10, it's in the upper right hand corner, but on one invoice, it's in the center, and on another, it's in the upper left hand corner. Well, when you have a little bit of natural language processing, you're able to handle that variability. Also, if you want to, you know, uh deal with a wide range of different invoice types. Again, invoices not 100% accurate there or not 100% the same. Uh all companies don't have the exact same looking invoice. So if you want to be able to handle a wide range of that, you can apply NLP to your automation. And also if there's, you know, if you've ever done Uh, web scraping or just handled different websites. I mean, obviously everybody's website looks a little bit different. So there will be some variability in there. These are great applications for NLP at level one automation.
1: Yeah. And the the thing about NLP uh, is is that the technology is pretty good at this point. As a matter of fact, really this last latest wave of AI has really been powered by machine learning that can handle unstructured data. I mean, ImageNet and all the stuff that happened with image recognition and, and all the video stuff. You know, we're now more than 10 years from, from machine learning basically having an impact there. And it's and it's working really well. We tons of data. We got, you know, big neural nets. Um, same thing with, with natural language processing, you know, you could talk to your voice assistant, you can do all sorts of stuff and that stuff works really well. It, they're not necessarily the, you know, the smartest things in terms of actually understanding all the time, what you mean, but in terms of basic natural language processing. Yeah. I mean, that's the state of the art, you know, uh, the machine learning stuff. So it's out there. There's a lot of open source. So if you're, if you're trying to add a little bit of NLP to your dumb automation, to bring it up to level one there's tons of options. A lot of it's free, a lot of it's cheap, assuming that, well, we'll talk about this later, that the things that the machine learning systems have been trained for are a good overlap with what you have. So that's that. Computer vision is really sort of like the other part of what makes uh, level one automation work in terms of unstructured data. It's not just about text. It's also about images and video. And computer vision is the ability for computers to understand the real world what's happening in images and interpret them and um they just what we call the recognition pattern of ai it's very related to the conversational pattern but it's slightly different right and it's everything from like looking at images so you know if you're someone has to send pictures of uh you know, for insurance of a of an auto claim and they need to take a picture of damage to their car well you know it's probably not a good idea for humans to be sitting there looking at every image and say yes this is an image of a car yes this is you know blah blah machines are really capable of doing that same thing with like man manufacturing like you know if you have a uh, an assembly line and you need to check for defects computers can do it really quickly very effectively and actually very efficiently and that's a lot of now honestly it's like if you have an assembly line and you're trying to crank things out quickly you probably have a camera or two or three or 20 or 100 <laughs> looking at your products and seeing if there's any defects and that's basically level one automation. And you know, it's like, it's like yes, we have the dumb part of the automation where it's stamping those things out. That's the dumb part, doing the same thing over and over and over again. But then we have the slightly more intelligent automation that's checking what the dumb thing is doing and making sure there aren't any mistakes, any flaws or whatever, right? So, you know, you can think of, of doing, thinking of it as an assembly line is actually really helpful because... A lot of your processes are kind of like assembly lines, even if they're not physical things. Like if you have an insurance claim, you know, maybe one step of that might be looking at images or videos, or maybe customer support where someone is returning a product and you want them to take a picture of it, or maybe it's like website support where someone's like, "I'm having a problem with my website," or you know, uh, you know, check deposit at your bank. You know, all these sorts of things. You can't do check deposit without image recognition, right? So you don't want a person in there looking at the check and then writing down the name and the amount and the che- that would just be crazy right you know this is where we have a slightly higher more effective form of of intelligent automation to do this sorts of stuff so there's lots of other things other interesting things we can do with computer vision is we can treat like the user interface like let's say i'm trying to you know uh, automate user interface automation where i'm typing or from one field and putting it into another, you can actually treat the screen as if it's an image and say, am I looking at the right form? Am I on the right website? Am I in the right part part of the site? The the system can use intelligent automation to say, oh, I'm looking at the data entry form because you just do image recognition and it looks like the data entry form. So it knows it's in the right place because if you're using somebody else, let's say say this is a website integration and you're not connecting to your own form, you're connected to somebody else's form, Well, websites go down all the time, right? Or things change. And you don't want your automation, like you. step four in your automation is take data out of this step, out of this information, put it into that form. Well, what if that website's down? Is it gonna say, well, I'm dumb automation. I can't recognize if it's up or down. And it goes on to step five, right? Not realizing that step four broke. So we can use image recognition to even help with that, you know, all sorts of stuff, even validating it. You can like, use image data to basically say, did something actually end up in the right place? Is the data the right data? And just like natural language processing, the computer vision technology natural is here. It's been around for well over a decade. It's, you know, many cases open source, free, cheap, very low cost. So it should be very easy if the use case requires it to add intelligence to your automation and do this level one stuff
0: right and so that is a good thing right that <laughs> they have been around for a while they're proven they're tested other people have done this so we always say learn from others right don't you don't need to make unnecessary mistakes so good to know that those have been out there for a while this is proven and this is a really great way to bring that some intelligence into your level 1 automation by now, you may be thinking, especially if you've listened to our podcast in the past, and say, you know, okay, this is great, but how how exactly is it that you're moving from level zero to level one? What really is the key ingredient? And the key ingredient here is machine learning, because without the machine actually learning, then you are not bringing intelligence into your automation. You're just Doing maybe advanced automation that you think may be machine learning. But in fact, if you are not actually having it learn on something, then it is not machine learning. So understand that's really the main difference between that level zero automation and level one automation is the use and required use of machine learning. Because someone has to build the model that gives that machine that cognitive power. Now, we say someone because that doesn't necessarily need to be someone at your organization. You can use third-party models if you don't have somebody in-house to build models, but if you do and you know you for whatever reason think it's better to build your own models, you absolutely can. And so you'll need to train your own models. So know that there's different ways to get that. Both of them have their benefits. You know, everything has its pluses and minuses. So, uh Third-party models can be perfectly acceptable, just understand your use case. And that easy level one automation wins can be built with using those off-the-shelf models. So you don't need to necessarily build it. Again, this is where you and your team need to be talking through. Okay, what is my use case? What is it that I'm trying to solve? How do I bring that intelligence in? Who's on my team? Make sure that you have everybody on your team if you're going to be if you're going to be training your own models because if not, then go ahead and get third-party models.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I like to you know, this is obviously a roadmap, right? So if you think about like the the journey that you have for your particular automation may require that at a particular step in your automation to get to the next step, you need to add some intelligence because that's the next thing you need to automate. You need to automate something where I'm like, well, I actually have to look at the image or I have to actually look at the text or whatever I have to do. And um, this is kind of where you, you decide, okay, well, do I need to build this ourselves? Because it's very specific. You know, if you are if you're doing an assembly line and you need to look for flaws, no one else is going to have that model to know if something is broken or not. You have to build that yourself. Fortunately it's really easy to do that there's a lot of low cost ways of doing it but in order to have to do your journey you need to figure that out so um this this is part of it now here's the thing about this we're going to get into the vendors in just a moment here but the, uh like 90 plus percent of the auto, the companies out there that are offering automation solutions, will are now adding this little bit of intelligence to their capability because they know that you know the th- some of the things that break their automation have to do with classifying a document or looking at a website, making sure it's up that you know that kind of stuff, and they can get an easy win by adding this level one automation. And there's lots of stuff that's commercially available off the shelf, cloud-based open source, right? So it's very reasonable to expect that your automation vendor Uh, We'll probably have this, but you have to make sure, as we'll get into that, what they have, even if they're giving it to you, matches your needs. And this is part of the challenge, right? Because when we're building automations at level one, that differs from level zero. With level zero and we're building the automation, we just need to know what it is that we're automating. And I need to know if I'm automating some software thing, what are the specific steps? And then I have to record those steps or do whatever I have to do. But with level one, I actually have two things I need to deal with. One, I got to build that automation. And the tricky part is I have to build it knowing that the step that's involved is some machine learning model. So it's like, it's going to go into this black box and actually a lot of times really is a black box. So you don't know exactly how it works. And you go, put this PDF document into this model that will tell me magically (laughs) if it's an invoice or a contract or whatever. And when it comes out, it's not going to tell me oh yeah, this is an invoice, 100%. It's going to say 89% chance that that PDF that you sent me is an invoice or 95% or 97%, whatever it is. So what you have to do when you're building the automation is how do you deal with those probabilistic things? Are you going to only accept results that are 95%? Or are you going to accept any result over 50% knowing that there's probably going to be a lot of bad stuff in there, right? <laughs> or are you going to create some like... um Intermediate thing where there's a human moderator. So if you're getting like a thousand invoices a day, you know, you're like a major retail company, <laughs> right? You're probably getting like thousands of invoices a day or whatever, purchase orders a day. You know, maybe you're automating it, maybe the 90, 90% of them are completely automated, but maybe there's like this little pool where a human needs to go in and say the machine wasn't a hundred percent sure. Well, you're still saving a lot of time. Is that enough time? Does that justify the investment? These are all questions you have to ask, right? And of course, sort of the other challenge on the automation side is how do I even test it? How do, I, how do I have, do I have enough invoices that I can even test to see if my model's working, right? Do I need to have every invoice? Can I test it perhaps on the last month's worth of invoices? Is that good enough? Or, or do my vendors keep changing where it's like last month's invoices won't even match what next invoices will be? So you have to really think this through, right? Um, so that's one part. But the second part is the model itself because that black box that you're using to determine whether it's in this case an invoice or not, guess what, that model itself needs to keep changing. And that's not the same, even if your automation is fixed, there's never, as Kathleen always says, it's never set it and forget it kind of thing, right? Because we have to keep iterating the model that determines what the text is, what the image is, right?
0: Exactly. Because your real world data will be changing. And so you need to make sure that your model is performing the way that, you know, you need to continue to monitor that model and make sure it's performing the way that you'd like it to. You can have data drift, your data can change. So if you're building that model and iterating that model, if it's your own model, you need to make sure that someone's actually managing that. If you're using third-party models you need to make sure that they are still performing the way that you would like them to perform. You know, I'm sure at the beginning when you're when you're looking at different vendors who are providing these models, uh you'll say okay, I'm going to go with this vendor it performed really well. But make sure that you're continuously testing that and it's performing the same or relatively close. You know, you need to set that threshold and say I'll accept up to 75% Uh, accuracy. And after that, uh, it's no longer acceptable. For different use cases, you may say it's 93% accuracy. And if it's anything below that, that's not acceptable. You set that threshold. But if it's not performing the same that it used to, and it's declining, what are you going to do? Are you going to look to combine multiple models together Could these be multiple third-party models? Are they going to be a combination of some that were built in-house and some third-party models? This, again, is something that you as a team need to figure out. And you're probably, if you are doing this, right? If you are iterating on your model, you will have model versioning and different models that you are going to now have. What does that mean? Does that mean that you're only using the latest model? Does that mean that you can use different Different models and different versions of that model for, you know, different automations. Again, that's something that you'll have to figure out. That's, you know, really uh, a team discussion here and figuring out how they are performing over time. Well, if you're going to be doing that, make sure that you are adopting some sort of best practices here when you're thinking about, you know, model versioning, model iteration, dealing with that entire model lifecycle. At Cognolytica, we are big advocates for CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology. But make sure that you have some methodology in place that you are following. So we always say learn from others. So make sure that you are learning from others and following best practices. Right.
1: We actually have heard from from some of you, our, our audience, who are, are uh, taking a lot of we have to and <laughs> trying to put that into practice. And some some of you who are you know, actually team leaders managing your own teams, you already know this. You know you, you've actually told us like, oh, you don't like buying vendor snake oil. We've actually heard that many times. Also, some of you are just trying to align your team, get everybody moving together, accelerate your team, move them quickly, try not to make the same mistakes. You know, uh, those are all great. That those are all methodology things. There's nothing to do with the product you choose or the technology you choose. We're not gonna tell you R versus Python. We're not gonna tell you this product versus that product, this cloud solution versus this in-house solution. Those decisions you make based on the skills of your team, right? that's what, you make a decision on python because your your team knows python right or you make a decision on a cloud product because you're invested in that cloud product and the functions and features probably are not the same but they're probably going to be good for you the thing is is like even with the best tools in the world and with the most skilled people if you don't know what to do it in the right order you will make mistakes you <laughs> know we tell people hey look at all the mistakes that even the large technology companies make they make them all the time the solution to that is not just people and technology you need that third of the stool, right? You can't balance on two legs. That third leg of the stool is process or methodology. People, technology, methodology, that is a sturdy stool. And even if the people keep changing, if your technology and my methodology stay the same, you're stable. If your technology keeps changing, your people and your methodology stay stable, your thing is stable. If, you, if you're messing around, if you're missing methodology, you change the technology, You you have you, you have to now reinvent everything. Right. And that's that's not rational. I don't know why some people sort of skip that, but do not. This is where you get into trouble. So specifically here, what we want to talk about with with level one automation, the things you need to think about. You're like, this sounds great. We're gonna, you know, take our automations, which are, you know, just doing sort of the the straightforward basic automation. We're gonna make them a little bit more intelligent. We'll add some machine learning. Here are the things you're gonna face, the challenges that you'll face, and the stuff that we, you know, in our workshops we work through. One, how do you deal with probabilistic systems? So as we mentioned, things will not give you guaranteed results. So you want to build a a process your process needs to be reliable right even if the models are not reliable so how do you build a reliable process well the answer is you handle the probabilistic stuff you handle the times when the models are not sure you figure it out you don't just like leave that you don't leave those emails in the inbox you don't just put it in the wrong place whatever the second thing you need to handle is these data quality and quantity issues. As mentioned, if you need if you need very specific text that the model needs to be trained on, do you have enough of it, right? or images or whatever? The same thing, the machine learning model applicability, how do you know if the model that you're using is appropriate, useful? where Where is it missing? Where is it what's it missing? How can I how can I extend it? if I need to extend it, right? And then the other thing we say is, okay, well, if you are managing your model, this model is really important. If you're using a machine learning model to help you do insurance claims and you're like, well, I'm just getting this model from some random place. Wow, you're putting a lot of faith in somebody who does not know your business (laughs) to do the right thing by your business. And you could be losing millions of dollars, you know, bad claims, you know, whatever it's worth it to learn how to basically iterate a model. If that model is important to you, yeah. CPM AI methodology, as Kathleen mentioned, you know, cognitive project methodology, six phases based on 20 plus year old crisp DM, adding to that agile and AI specific stuff. You can't go wrong. It's like methodology is like the best ROI because for just a small amount of money. You're saving millions, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, best investment you can possibly make in the skills of your team, right? And then the last two things you need to think about when we're dealing with level one automation is when does the human still need to be in the loop, right? How do I keep, when when the machine is making decisions, right? Now we're dealing with more variability. Now I need to say, okay, well, machines can make mistakes. So, you know, where do I need to keep the human? Or maybe there are situations where the machine can't operate on something. So when does the human need to be in? Does the human, you know, do some sanity checking, right? You know, all that sort of stuff. The last point I want to make here is that now that we've added some intelligence to our automation, this is when the vendors get a little hypey, right? <laughs> this is when they're like, we we, are, we RPA vendors are AI. It's like, eh, no, they're not. I mean, they're still straightforward automation, which is awesome, right? Basic automation. They just added a little bit of NLP, a little bit. And it's maybe not even their model. Like they got it from somebody else and they they put it in their product. Right. This is where they tend to get hypey. And also, this is where the disconnect starts. This is when they start making claims about what their products can do that their products may or may not be able to do. Right. Whereas with level zero, it's like, look, you either automate something or you don't. You, it either repeats it or it doesn't repeat it. It's a little kind of hard to overstate your abilities there. But this is starting in level one, is where you need to to put on that little skeptical hat and say, okay, it's not that they're not necessarily misleading you, but basically dive deeper, right? You know, ask some questions, <laughs> figure out where is the machine learning model, what is it doing? If they say, oh, we're doing this uh, level one automation, or or they didn't, maybe they're not even using that term, or doing hyper automation, whatever the, the heck the term they want to use, where say, where's your machine learning model? What does it do? Who's your machine learning model from? Can I do put in my own model? Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This is when you guys are asking smart questions because you're our smart AI Today podcast listeners, and we love you so much. So <laughs> we want to make you smart. So, so there you go.
0: Exactly. And, you know, please make sure to subscribe to the AI Today podcast so you can get notified of future episodes and continue to follow us on this automation to intelligence journey. We have a few more podcasts left in this series, and then we have some additional series coming up as well, which we are really excited for. So again, make sure to subscribe to AI today and also reach out to us. We're always available. You can email us at info at That's I-N-F-O at dot com, Or sign up for one of our upcoming automation webinars. So we've decided to run a bunch of these. We know that our podcast listeners sometimes listen months or years later after our initial podcast has been released. So it doesn't matter when you're listening to this podcast, you can go to ai.today.live automation, and it'll take you to our next upcoming webinar. This is going to be a great opportunity for you to interact with us and get those questions answered live on the webinar, which is something, like I said, we always love to get those uh, live webinar discussions because we get to really, that's our opportunity to see what's resonating and where you you'd like us to dig deeper. So we hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast, which is advancing. How do we advance to that level one automation? And like I said, make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you can get notified of our upcoming episodes where we will be following along on this journey. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more